get the meaning behind the numbers, and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas, everybody. A holiday edition of TSN Hockey Analytics. I'm Andy McNamara, and you're listening on TSN 1050 Toronto and across the TSN radio network. We get festive with Travis Yost from tsn.ca, then James Harding, our NHL fantasy expert from DraftKings and NHL.com will join us. After that, Corey Pronman, NHL prospects writer for The Athletic, We'll get into some World Junior talk. That's coming up really fast. So we'll get into that the, with Corey Promen and then wrap up the program with Scott Cullen from tsn.ca with Heroes and Zeros. Let's head now to the 3HL Tour guest hotline. Catch the excitement of the 3HL Tour Canada's 3-on-3 Professional Hockey League coming to a city near you. Tickets on sale now at 3HLTour.com. That's 3HLTour.com. Travis Yost. How's it going, buddy? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Andy? Happy uh, holidays. Yes, happy holidays to you, too. Now, uh, in past years, you've traveled around and globetrotted uh, over the holidays. <laughs> are you off to anywhere exotic? Uh, unfortunately, it's going to be part of a surprise, so we've got to wait till oh. next Saturday, and we'll reveal. Next Saturday, we'll reveal on this show. Really? All right. Hey, folks. Okay. At Travis Yost on Twitter. You don't want to miss the vacation reveal. <laughs> that's, what, that's what the people wait for. <laughs> that's the tease. That and your food takes. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Travis, on Monday, you posted a piece on TSN.ca, breaks down the scoring slumps of William Nylander and Mitch Marner. Of course, hey, we got Austin Matthews coming back tonight for the Maple Leafs. But you know that Marner is creating far less scoring chances this year than last. But since you posted that, Marner has scored in both games he's played, totaled five points. From a statistical standpoint, when do you consider someone to be out of a slump? Uh, I mean, this really this really matters as to how you delineate between a trend and just noise. And yeah. I, I would not say that two games is uh, out of a slump yet, uh, especially the reason being when you have a preceding, what, 25 games outweighing that two-game sample. I think I think you got to lend credence to the former, at least until uh, Marner consistently shows. The really interesting thought about this, though, is like there's been so much dialogue about Marner and Nylander, and, and we kind of just paint them with the same brush. Like I think I think William Nylander has been aggressive in, in the attack, and I think he's been dangerous, and I just don't think he's gotten the bounces. Whereas Marner, at least of course predating this week, I write the piece, and then of course he has a great, <laughs> great, a great couple games there, but. He's just not generating scoring chances at nearly the same rate. I mean, just just for sake of context, he is generating half as many scoring chances as he did last year individually. And it, and it's not as if he's playing on some like checking line where he's not you know it's opportunity driven. Uh, he's playing. He's played a lot of minutes with JVR. He's played a lot of minutes with Bozak. And say what you will about either of those guys, but they are very quality playmakers in the offensive zone. And Marner, of course, is an elite playmaker. I think. Um, but I, I think the the larger question with Marner's streak isn't so much where you know where he finishes right now or, or whether whether he's out of a slump or not I think I think really the discussion is is Mitch Marner a, a great goal scorer hmm. um and, I, and I, I don't think the evidence suggests he is now Hugh can be an unbelievable player in the NHL you don't have to be a great goal scorer it's not a one-to-one correlation right. but you know Marner last year had 19 goals and I think everyone thought 19 or 20 goals and I think everyone thought you know what you do that in your rookie year this guy's gonna be a 30 plus guy but based on his year two performance to date, he, he much more strikes me as like a 
you know, like a, a, if you looked at his ceiling, kind of like a Sedin type where he does everything so freaking well, but he's just, he doesn't have an elite shot, and that's going to be the one knock on him. And by the way, that can take you a long, long way in the NHL if that's your high-end comparison as a Hall of Famer <laughs> in one of the Sedins. But um, I, I do think it's an interesting discussion. Like, I, I don't, I guess I don't uh, uh, I don't draw the same conclusion between Nylander and Marner. They've had two very different starts of the year, despite both having individual scoring drops. Right, and it's a great point you make on Marner, because if you're a playmaker, a setup guy, and you're getting most of your points via assists or just creating space, whatever it might be, yeah, like that, that's fine. Like There's only so much puck to go around. Like Not everybody can be scoring 40 goals. So as long as you can be fitted in properly on a team with surrounding pieces and you can be a part of that, then he still has a great value for the Maple Leafs. Yeah, absolutely. But what he does need to do is he does need to be an average NHL shooter. Like You, yes. you can't be in a below average right. NHL shooter and an elite playmaker and expect to get, you know, top top line minutes on an elite team. Like, you know, and I make that last point on an elite team because, you know, the Leafs are a very good team. I don't think they're elite yet. But if they had one or two more pieces in the next year or two, Again, it's it's best three players presumably play on the first line, the next three, and next three. And hey, long story short, is hey, Marner might struggle for like first line minutes if if he if he is not a if he does not evolve into a decent goal scorer. And I, and I think he might already be there, but I, I just I think there's a larger discussion about how good of a shooter he is, um, and 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 where he projects in the lineup. And I think to your last point, so much of the NHL is finding the right chemistry, the right balance. Um, on, on each individual line. You know, Mike Babcock is not the only coach who tries to spread his talent out. I think more generally than not, teams have success when they run more balanced, more depth lines than top-heavy lines. Um, we've seen some disasters with top-heavy teams in the past. So it, it kind of makes sense where you've got these guys spread out across the lineup. But, you know, I, I still think it's an interesting storyline to watch because I, I don't think Marner has been as good as he was last year. In conversation with Travis Yost on Twitter, at Travis Yost from TSN.ca. Bit of a hot take from you on Twitter this week, Travis. You claim that if the Predators and Blues met in a seven-game playoff series right now, you'd have all the confidence in Nashville winning that series. The two are neck-and-neck in the standings, have nearly identical goal differential. What makes Nashville superior to you? You don't even realize this, but this is the best segue you've ever had. All right. I I just finished making the point. that top-heavy teams really can run into trouble, um, especially when it gets in the playoffs. I didn't mention that piece. But, like, when you play more competent, more quality teams down the lineup, you struggle. And when I look at that St. Louis team, I mean, I'm watching them against the Edmonton game. Edmonton outclassed them most of the night. That's number one. And while I think Edmonton is much better than they've shown in the standings, it's not like Edmonton is one of the two or three best teams in the league right now. St. Louis has, has a depth issue. You know, that, that Tarasenko line is one of the best lines in the NHL. But behind them, there's not a whole lot. They, they don't skate. For, and the question I ask is, what, is, what does your team do well? Well, the, answer, the question, the answer for Nashville is clear. They skate like madmen, 23 men deep. They've got at least two, if not three good defensive pairings and at least three good lines. And they've gotten decent goaltending this year. Whereas St. Louis, goaltending has always been a question mark. You've got one elite line, and the rest of your team is, eh, it's, it's okay. I mean, it's absolutely playoff quality, and it's going to be good enough to maybe finish top two in the division, but I, I don't see how that team in a matchup it matches up favorably against Nashville. I mean, Nashville might go head-to-head against that Tarasenko line and break even or a little worse than break even, but lines two, three, and four against St. Louis is two, three, and four. It's no contest. Nashville has a better team. Not to mention Nashville's second and third pairings are better than, than St. Louis by, by or I would argue, an order of magnitude. So I, I, I don't know. I, I think St. Louis, of, the, of your top-tier teams, your top five or top six teams, 
I think I've been the least impressed of them, especially of late. Like, they got out to a pretty hot start, but the last 20 or so games, they have not been impressive. I, I think that could be an interesting story to watch, especially if you're a team like Winnipeg or Dallas and Chicago and trying to claw up that division. Well, I was going to say, where do you put Winnipeg? Because they're sandwiched right now in the Central Division as of Saturday between the Preds and the Blues. Both, all three with 46 points, but they're in that second spot. So how many years have we been doing this for? Uh, <laughs> this, this is, is four. not the fourth year of if Winnipeg can just somehow yeah. get these goaltending. They are so freaking scary. Yeah. And it is, again, the case, except uh-huh. the differences this year, Winnipeg's getting some goaltending. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's amazing to watch when a team that get, has had crappy goaltending but otherwise strong play Yes, okay, goaltending, they all, they all of a sudden look like a runaway train. And and that is the case with what you have with Winnipeg. It, it, again, same point. If Winnipeg gets decent goaltending through the remainder of the year, I'm just talking league average. I think you can make the point that they're a better team than St. Louis. And, wow. and, and that, again, a lot of that is just based on how St. Louis is playing right now. But Winnipeg is very much in the same they have the same build as, as Nashville. They've, they've driven up a lot of their prospects who are now NHL players. They've got the top end talent in Patrick Line and and uh, and Shifley and 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 Ehlers and Wheeler and, and you go down the list. They've got so many superstar players, and it's an interesting point. When, again, when you talk about matchups, you can make the argument that Winnipeg's top line maybe matches up better against the Tarasenko line than whatever Nashville has. So again, like you could, you can. There are flaws with Winnipeg. Clearly, I mean, they're not the most disciplined team in the league. Still, they've notoriously had penalty issues. And I don't want to overrate Winnipeg here, but again, you can you can ask the same question about Winnipeg and whether or not they're a better team than St. Louis right now. And again, in a seven game series, especially if Winnipeg has four of seven at home, I think I'd take Winnipeg. Now, there's a hot take. We got to put that out on Twitter at Travis Yost. Okay, <laughs> all right, Travis. Time for our weekly Vegas Golden Knights question. Spin the wheel, make a deal. All right, they're second in the Pacific Division, seven two and one in their last ten games, as you wrote this week. The secondary scoring is a big reason for their success. Realistically, if the production keeps coming from multiple sources, are we talking about a team that could win around in the playoffs as an expansion club instead of being just the, oh, could they, could they make it, actually be a team that could win around? Uh, no question they can win around, depending on who they play. I, and, right, I, and I right. qualify that, but a couple thoughts here. Number one, they were absolutely gifted one of the five best lines in the NHL by the Florida Panthers. This is the least talked about story, and I had to write about it this week. It is the least talked about story in the NHL, and I feel like people have talked about it still. It's just that underrated. I mean, Florida literally gave them a first-line player, Jonathan Marchso, and, and let's, let's put that debate to bed. Jonathan Marchso is a first-line player, and he's going to make $5 million a year as soon as he expires at the end of this year. And Riley Smith, yeah, maybe he's a little marginally overpaid, but he's still an NHL player. He had about... I want to say he was a 40-point, 82-game player last year. He's having a similar season this year. And they put Will, William Carlson on that line, and they're getting 58% of the shots, 60% of the expected goals. One of the best lines in the NHL. They compare most likely to your Patrice Bergeron line in Boston, which is ridiculous. So you have one elite line, not to mention the fact that you've got guys like James Neal and David Prawn in that lineup. I'm not. I'm still cool on their defense. Like I think their defense has played above above their actual uh, expectations or projections. And when you have that, when you start looking at playoff matchups again, it becomes well. Am I going to get burned when I got my second or third pairings out there? The, the, the key for Vegas to me is which team are you scared of in that division? And quite honestly, if I'm Vegas, I'm not scared of anyone but Edmonton. And then mm. that is why keeping that whole division should be hoping and praying that Edmonton just keeps playing, you know, that, that the early 30 games starts of the season that really sucked for the Oilers comes back to bite them and, and keeps them out of the playoffs. Because 
I, I think you can make the argument that the two most impressive, impressive teams by quality of play consistently have been Vegas and L.A., but Edmonton's close to jumping L.A. And, I, I, again, like that division is not what it was in 2014. Anaheim is suspicious. L.A. is suspicious. San Jose is not a very fast team. Uh, it, we talked about their problems last week. If Vegas does not play Edmonton and gets like a, a San Jose or a Calgary or an Anaheim in the first round, they absolutely can win that round. Not even that. I would say they'd be favorite in any of those matchups. I think I think L.A. might be a, a coin flip, and I think Edmonton they'd be an underdog. So, I, yeah, depending on the matchup, I think they can win round one. How crazy is that to say about an expansion team? Wow. Unbelievable. It, it, it's ridiculous. Let's hope the, the good times keep rolling in Vegas. Travis, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, my friend. We'll talk to you next week with the reveal of where you'll be going on vacation. <laughs> oh. All right, take care, Andy. Okay. <laughs> that is Travis Yost. Oh, yeah, and good luck to his Buffalo Bills this week against the New England Patriots. Yeesh. It's going to be tough in Foxborough. All right, that was Travis Yost from tsn.ca. You can check out all his fine work there. And he posts it on Twitter at Travis Yost. A great follow. is very engaging on Twitter is Travis. We're going to take the break. And on the other side, it will be James Harding, DraftKings and NHL.com hockey fantasy writer and analyst so if you have any fantasy hockey questions you can tweet us at andymc81 at tsn analytics to get your questions in for james that's coming up next on tsn hockey analytics no one can quite move it down to six seconds left point great work to hold on to it Hala finally wins it right point shot score theodore and that will count it looked like the Lightning were going to get this game to overtime, but it squirted free, and Theodore blasted it home at the right point with an absolute bomb with 2.3 seconds left to go. Welcome back to TSN Hockey Analytics. I'm Andy McNamara. Happy holidays, everybody. Merry Christmas. On Twitter, at TSN Analytics. Myself, at AndyMC81. If you miss any of the show or want to go back and listen to past episodes or this one, you can Find and rate us on iTunes, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio app, the tsn1050.ca show page. We got you covered. And, of course, we post the links at AndyMCD1 and at TSN Analytics. Let's get into some fantasy hockey talk. So we go to our DraftKings and NHL.com fantasy expert, James Harding, on the line. James, how's it going, bud? I'm doing well, Andy. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Happy holidays. And you know what? Let's start off strong and give some stock up, stock down. Stock up. Stock down. Going into this weekend slate of DraftKings games, or if you're in league play, of course, this can help as well. James, who's a couple of stock ups for you this week? Yeah, one guy whose stock is starting to climb after it fell a little bit over the last month, Clayton Keller from the Arizona Coyotes, uh, skating on the second line there with Max Domi and Christian Fisher. Uh, Four-game point streak. He had a multi-point game on Friday against the Washington Capitals. Uh, one goal, one assist, six shots on goal. Uh, he, he's been uh, a lot more consistent as of late. Two goals, three assists on his current four-game point streak. 28 points on the season, 13 goals, 15 assists. So he's third among rookie scorers. But in Yahoo League's, uh, in standard fantasy leagues, his ownership has actually dropped. He's only owned in about 50% of leagues right now in season-long formats on Yahoo. So uh, somebody who his stock is definitely starting to rise back up again and is somebody that fantasy owners 
uh, should definitely be taking account of just for the mere fact that especially in uh, season-long leagues, he's tri-eligible as a center, left wing, and right wing. So uh, very, very versatile player to have in your lineups. And the other guy who I like right now for my second stock up, uh, Kevin LeBanc from the San Jose Sharks, skating on the second line there with uh, Tomas Hurdle and uh, Melka Carlson in place of Logan Couture, who is out right now. $3,500 in DraftKings tonight versus the Los Angeles Kings. It's back-to-back multi-point games, uh, one goal, five assists, seven shots on goal, and he has points in four of his past six games. And of his 17 points this season in 27 games, nine have come on the power play. So I really, really like what LeBanc is doing right now out in San Jose. That's some great value there for 3500 bucks too. Okay. Might be on some waiver wires in league play as well. All right, so stock up. Who's a couple stock downs? Yeah, one guy whose stock seems to be uh, tumbling a little bit right now, Kevin Shattenkirk mm. from the Rangers. Uh, 22 points and 11 power play points in 35 games this season, but he only has two points in his past eight games after 20 in his first 27. And significant to note this, that he was benched, and thanks to Brett Sergalis from the New York Post for pointing this out on Twitter the other day, for the final 728 of regulation against the Devils. He did skate in two overtime shifts in that game and was the final shootout skater for the Rangers that Corey Schneider stopped to win that game. But you're talking about one of the Rangers' top four defensemen, their best offensive defenseman, and he's benched for the final 7-28 in an important divisional game. So that's something coupled with his play as of late that fantasy owners are definitely going to want to watch out for and might consider, especially in standard formats and in daily fantasy formats, maybe taking a pass on Shattenkirk until he turns around. And then the other guy is Sean Couturier from the Philadelphia Flyers, having a great season this year. 31 points in 35 games. His prior career high in a full season is 39, so he's going to break that. But one point a goal in his past five games, he's been split up from Jake Voracek uh, over the past few weeks at even strength. He's still skating with Claude Drew and Wayne Simmons at even strength, but for one goal in five games, seeing Voracek and Shane Gostisbehere on the power play with him, that's a little concerning right now. So you mentioned Shattenkirk, and I'm totally with you, the disappointment. Now, at the price point he's at on DraftKings, it's 4800 bucks. You can compare that with uh, McDonough, who's also on the Rangers. When you're looking at defenseman value around there, and his overall numbers are certainly disappointing, but he's averaging 3.2 fantasy points a game in that price range, kind of like the 49, 47, 4800 mark. Is he a value there despite the disappointment, or is that somewhere you'd still look to go elsewhere? Uh, he's still a value pick there, but when you look at some of the other guys mm. who are around him right now in that same price range, talking about a Colton Pareko from uh, St. Louis and Mikhail Sergachev from Tampa Bay at $5,000, uh, Ryan Suter right now $4,900. So I, I definitely think that a guy like Shattenkirk at 4800 is an appealing pick especially if the matchup is good. You look at his matchup tonight against Toronto. Toronto's 29th in DraftKings points allowed to defensemen. 
So it, it's a very, very favorable matchup. Uh, but definitely something that has to be considered is his recent body of work, which hasn't been great. But, yeah, $4,800 wouldn't be terrible for a player like Shattenkirk right now, but there are definitely other options in that same range that I would probably look to first. In conversation with James Harding, fantasy NHL analyst for DraftKings and NHL.com on Twitter at jharding underscore hockey. Joining us on the 3HL Tour hotline. Catch the excitement of the 3HL Tour Canada's three-on-three professional hockey league coming to a city near you. They're playing actually as we speak at the Aurora Christmas Classic Aurora Community Center. But find out the next date that's near you. Tickets on sale at 3HLTour.com, 3HLTour.com. Okay, James, it's Christmas time, so let's play a little Santa Claus here, okay? And uh, who, Which fantasy player so far at this point in the season gets your, your Santa gift? Who gets the, the, the big present under the tree, whether it's being best player, biggest pleasant surprise? Who's up there for you? Uh, yeah, well, best player right now, uh, I think, is, is a pair of them, and that would go to... Nikita Kucherov and, and Steven Stamkos down in Tampa Bay, uh, the highest-scoring point pair in the league right now this season. So they, they would be my top players. But my two big surprises who would be getting gifts this year. First, Braden Shen mm. from the St. Louis Blues, uh, 40 points, uh, one of the top 10 scorers in the NHL this season. Uh, he hasn't seen much of a drop-off as of late with the injury to Jaden Schwartz, which tells me that He's starting to gain the confidence of being a top-line, top-tier center. And so I really, really like him going forward. 17 goals, 23 assists in Yahoo Standard Leagues right now. He is the number three ranked player overall behind Kucherov and Stamkos. So uh, I really like what that trade has done. And when you look at that trade, you got to say, wow, St. Louis absolutely fleeced uh, <laughs> Philadelphia in, in that trade. And... uh potentially found themselves a number one center of the future for them going forward. And then the other guy is Josh Bailey from the Islanders. Uh, 45 points right now. His prior career high he set last season was 56. Uh, He's skating with John Tavares and Anders Lee at even strength. He's skating with Leon Tavares, rookie Matt Barzell, and Nick Letty on the Islanders' first power play unit. Second in the NHL with 35 assists. Uh, He's tied for second with... Tavares and Stamkos with 45 points, and he started the season ranked 191 in Yahoo standard formats, and right now he's ranked number 20. So a 171-place jump for Bailey in only the first about 35 games of the season. So he's definitely getting a big gift under the tree this year. Big gift. Now give me one fantasy player who is going to unwrap it, eyes twinkling, and it's going to be a lump of coal because they've disappointed you. Yeah, there are definitely a handful of them out there, but uh, one guy who I uh, have seen a huge drop-off from this season is Leon Seidel from the Edmonton Oilers. He's been split up from Connor McDavid. He's been bumped all the way down to the Oilers' third line right now. Uh, eight goals and 18 points, so 26 points in 31 uh, contests this season. He has missed a few because of injury, but he's on pace for uh, a minimum of a 12-point drop-off right now from his pace from last season. So uh, any more of a drop-off and any more decline in production could see him drop below 60 points, which would be a massive drop-off, all things considered, from his career year last year. Very interesting. Of course, lots of NHL contests on DraftKings.com. And I think some of the advice you gave uh, 
here today, James, could uh, help people win win some money to, to set up their, their Christmas lineup. So you can check it out. They have the classic salary cap game or the pick'em style, which we've gone over in the past, where it's the tier and you pick which player is going to have the best week. So lots of action, um, free games, dollar games, lots of, of different price points. Thank you so much for stopping by, and have a very Merry Christmas, my friend. All right, thanks, Eddie. Merry Christmas to you too, buddy. All right, James Harding. NHL fantasy analyst from DraftKings.com and NHL.com on Twitter at jharding underscore hockey. If you ever have any fantasy hockey questions, you can hit James up right there. All right, we're going to get into some World Juniors conversations. Coming, folks. We'll talk Team Canada, U- Team USA, and swing around the whole world of teams with Corey Pronman, NHL prospects writer from The Athletic. He joins me next on TSN Hockey Analytics. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. You're listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. More of a, a blended regime up front as Clegg jumps in, shoots and scores! Kale Clegg coast to coast, and he makes it 8-1 Canada. And that was the... Final in the last pre-tournament action for Team Canada, 8-1 over Switzerland. Welcome back to TSN Hockey Analytics. I'm Andy McNamara, and you're listening on TSN 1050 Toronto across the TSN Radio Network on Twitter at TSN Analytics. Myself at AndyMC81. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes, SoundCloud, on iHeartRadio app, the Twitter accounts, as I just said. And, hey, you know what? Lots of NHL action, but it's that time of year. The Christmas season means it's World Juniors time in Canada, ending with an exclamation point over the Swiss. To talk about the World Junior Tournament and some of the prospects, it's our good friend Corey Pronman, NHL prospects writer from The Athletic. Corey, happy holidays, my friend. How are you? Uh, happy holidays to you, too. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So, hey, let's go. Team Canada, they don't have a, the household names of players that were selected real high in entry drafts other than Avs prospects, uh, Kale McCarr. But what do you see or project for this Canadian team this tournament? And how, how tough is it going to be for them to grab a gold for only the second time in nine years? Well, it, this is still Canada. There's still plenty of good players on, on this roster. Um I don't think they are as clear a favorite as they would be in in most years. In fact, I don't think they would, they are the favorite at all this season. But they still have a, definitely a, a, a very good chance to get a medal, if not a gold medal, just because there is still a lot of very good players from at, on on all positions. But there isn't you know there isn't a lot of star talent on this team uh, outside of really the net. Where, where Carter Hart's arguably the best goalie in this tournament. Yeah, on defense and four, they have a lot of very nice players, but probably not the first or second best player in any position at the tournament. That being said, I, I still think they have a reasonable chance. Now, you mentioned that, uh, the one player there. Is there anybody, anybody else on Canada's club that, that might be uh, under the radar as far as prospect hype that we should keep an eye on? Well, you mentioned Kale McCarr already. It's hard to be under the radar as a fourth overall yeah. pick. The one guy who's really been making the moves this this year is Robert Thomas, the St. Louis Blues first round pick from last year's draft. Uh, he's been outstanding from Blues camp through the OHL into the, can- the Canadian junior process as well. Uh, he's been great in the pre-tournament games, and he's 18, uh, so not he's a, he's a little behind the age level in terms of everyone else, but. I see a guy who could be dynamic, and if there's a guy who I think can really elevate his game at the forward position, uh, that would be the guy I'd single out. 
Now, we look at the United States, that club littered with talent, particularly at forward with the likes of Logan Brown, Casey Middlestat, Kaylor uh, Yamamoto, Brady Kachuk. Where would you handicap the USA's chance of repeating gold? I think they have a very good chance. I don't think there's a clear favor in this year's tournament between, I think, you know, uh, Canada, Sweden, Finland, United States. They're all very close. But if I had to pick one, I think it might be the United States just because they have so much talent up front. Um, I, I think, they're, you know, those two power play units are stacked and there's still going to be three or four first-round picks not all on their power plays just because of how much talent they have. Uh, and, I, and I see a team that can go up and down with all four of their lines. Um, McCasey Middlestat is an elite offensive talent and can drive a lot of the offense on that team. Um, on defense, they're a little bit weaker. They have two really good players, Calgary prospect Adam Fox and 2018 eligible prospect Quinn Hughes. Um, but it gets a little thinner after that point, uh, which is, I think, that's a significant difference between them and Canada that, that's on their rosters. But overall, I think that offense is just so deep that I think they're going to give teams a lot of trouble. Corey Pronman, NHL prospects writer from The Athletic, talking World Junior Tournament, joins me on the 3HL Tour hotline. Catch the excitement of the 3HL Tour Canada's three-on-three professional hockey league coming to a city near you. Tickets on sale right now at 3HLTour.com. That's 3HLTour.com. Okay, looking elsewhere, you mentioned Finland and Sweden. What are some of the top prospects that fans should be keeping their eye on other than the elite players like Elias uh, Pedersen, Alex Nylander, uh, Ole Ulevi and uh, Leas Anderson. Well, uh, Rasmus Dahlin will be the projected first overall pick this season on, on Sweden. He's definitely a guy uh, to look out for. Two other first-round picks would be Toronto first-rounder Timothy Lilligrid and Vegas first-rounder Eric Brandstrom. On Finland, there's a lot of guys there. Ely Tovinen, uh, national first-round pick, has been having a historic season over in Russia. Just, he's probably going to be the, you know, the highest-producing teenager ever in the KHL. Alexei Heponiemi in the WHL. Um, is scoring around two points per game, which is insane for an 18-year-old in that league. Um, you have five first-round picks on their blue line, Oli Ulevi, Henry Yokoharyu, Chicago. Oli Ulevi was with Vancouver. Mario Heiskinen, third overall pick by Dallas, who might even be at the Olympics uh, for Sweden this year. And Euro uh, Vakaninen, Boston first-round pick. And Yusuf Alamaki, a Calgary first-round pick. This is a very deep blue line. At Ford, they have a couple of good guys, too. Yannick Kuokinen has been very good for Carolina, this uh, uh, American League team this season. Um, and that's why I think they are also a team to watch. They have a lot of talent from top to bottom. Now, you talked about uh, Rasmus Dahlin, and obviously he's going to be dominating some headlines. But at this tournament, this is where prospects can elevate their draft stock and, and move up with a strong tournament. Do you see anybody, pick your country, pick your team, who really has a chance to improve their draft stock? Um, well, I mean, there's 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 a lot of guys at the tournament, so it's hard to say before it happens what's going to yeah, happen. Yeah. But I think from from watching these guys for a long time and just seeing where I, I see guys being ranked right now, I think this is a tournament where you're going to see guys like Quinn Hughes with the United States and Philip Zidian with the Czech Republic really establish that they are top five talents. Um, I think Quinn Hughes is a, is a third overall pick right now after uh, Rasmus Dalin and Andrei Sveshnikov. Um, I think those those two guys are are real game breaker kind of talent, especially especially Hughes. And I think they're you, if you watch those teams carefully, the United States and Chuck Powell respectively, you're going to see guys who can who can make special plays. In conversation with Corey Pronman, NHL prospects writer from the Athletic, on Twitter at Corey Pronman. Okay, 
you had to predict, you know we love predictions. I'm not going to hold you to it. But if you had to predict gold, silver, and bronze winners now, what does your objective opinion tell you, Mr. Corey Promen? How, how are you picking? All right, well, yeah. I could, you know, realistically, I think... I think the United States will be will be at the, will be at the gold medal game. Um, I'm trying to figure out how the crossovers work in my head right now because that's uh, I, I will say the United States plays Finland in the gold medal game and they win, and the bronze would go to either I'm guessing either Sweden or, or Canada. Um, I'll, I'll lean to Canada. All right, going with Ken- uh, we appreciate it, Corey. Thank you. Uh, yep. Have a have a very merry Christmas. Enjoy the tournament, and uh, we'll talk to you in the new year at some point. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Corey. That is Corey Promen, NHL prospects writer from The Athletic on Twitter, at Corey Promen. We'll take the break, wrap up the show with Heroes in Zeros and the top storylines from around the National Hockey League with our good friend Scott Cullen from TSN.ca. A lot more coming up here on TSN Hockey Analytics. Marner with a little movement in. Marner going wide. A shot. He scores! Mitch Marner with a brilliant move on the right side. And he narrows the gap to 4-2. to Back to wrap up a holiday edition of TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050 Toronto across the TSN radio network. I'm Andy McNamara. Get us on Twitter at TSN Analytics. Myself at AndyMC81 on iTunes, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio app, tsn1050.ca show page, all over the place. We got you covered. Now, to help wrap up the show, as he always does, a very happy holidays and Merry Christmas to Scott Cullen. Scotty, how are you, my friend? I'm great. How are you doing, Andy? Doing well. And you know what? Just because it's the holidays, we're not going to pull punches here. Let's get started. It's time for the best and worst of the NHL this week. Hockey analytics, heroes and zeros. With Scott Cullen and Andy McNamara. Now, it, uh, we teased it off the top. The first hero, we heard a Mitch Marner goal. They're a bit of a rarity this year, but he's in your hero category. That's right. We're, we're calling for Mitch Marner to come out of the, uh, the season-long slump. <laughs> uh, and he has, he has nine points in his past seven games. Goals in the past two after scoring two in his first 34 games this year. Uh, in the past seven, uh, Leafs have almost 51% of the shots with Marner on the ice, almost 62% of the scoring chances, which I think that, that sort of speaks to Marner when he's playing well, is that he's creating um, more high-danger chances. And I think, um, I, I know you and Travis talked to Mitch Marner earlier in the, in the show, um, but I think one of the reasons to kind of be hopeful that Marner might be emerging from this slump is that he really started shooting the puck. He had 11 shot attempts against Columbus. Um, the other night and, and has 13 shots on goal in the past two games. And that's just unlike what, what he's been doing earlier in the season. I don't know. I don't know why it's taken so long for uh, him to start launching shots, but I think the fact that he's, um, that he's done in the past couple of games and has got results uh, could, could mean some good things to come. All right. So Mitch Marner's number one now from the Tampa Bay Lightning, who only one of two teams in the Eastern Conference with single digit regulation losses. Braden Point. No, everybody's doing well in Tampa Bay. This is true. I, I, I could spend uh, every week grabbing somebody off of, <laughs> off of the lightning. But look, Braden Point, uh, second-year center, uh, has 31 points in 34 games this year. He's 10 points in the past nine games. Uh, in those past nine games, 54% Corsi, 63% of the scoring chances. And as much as um, you know, the praise all gets heaped upon Stamkos and Kucherov and, and the guys at the, 
um, the top of the depth chart for the Lightning. I think what makes them as great as they are this year is that they have the secondary scoring um, that they're getting from Braden Point. Um, you know, that it gives them a, a second uh, viable scoring line uh, when everybody turns their focus to, uh, to the big guns on the number one line. Those are the heroes. Now your lump of coal, your Grinchy zeros. <laughs> Franz Nielsen starts it. Yeah, Franz Nielsen seems to be a bit of a fish out of water almost in, in Detroit because um, you know they're paying him five point two five million, and he, he's got four more years on his contract after this one. But in, he kind of uh, bumped down the the center depth chart because they've got Dylan Larkin and Henrik Zetterberg uh, playing minutes down the middle too. And so you got Nielsen who has four points in the past fifteen games, under forty eight percent Corsi, thirty nine percent of the scoring chances in that time. Um, and, you know, when they brought him in, it was like, well, he's a solid veteran guy, but he's a solid veteran guy that you're adding to a team that probably needs to get younger, not uh, not grab an experienced solid veteran guy. And so um, it'll be interesting to see how, how this plays out uh, long term. Uh, but as it stands right now, uh, Nielsen does seem to be kind of a fish out of water in Detroit. And the last one, we go back to the Maple Leafs, Nassim Kadri. That's right. We can't get enough Leafs content yeah. here, Andy. Uh, like, Nazem Kadri has no points in his past nine games. Uh, under 42% Corsi, uh, 48% of the scoring chances. Now, as, you know, as much as that sounds bad, I, I'm here to tell you that it actually isn't quite as terrible as, as those numbers suggest. Uh, because in those nine games, Kadri does have 28 shots on goal. So it's not as though he's not creating chances. They're, they're just not going in. Uh, and... Uh, look, there are lots of guys, if you go nine games without uh, producing anything offensively, you're going to get killed uh, in terms of goal differential. But at five-on-five five over those nine games, uh, and, you know, Kadri hasn't been on for any goals for, but he also has only been on for a single goal against. So, you know, it, it's not all terrible. Um, it, it could be better most most definitely. And I think the Leafs would especially have liked it to be better with Austin Matthews. Injured. You know, at, uh, at a time when, you know, the the top center goes out, uh, you really like Nazem Kadri to be able to step up. And, and in this instance, he did not. No. So that was Heroes and <clears throat> Zeros Christmas edition. Scotty, now you put out Monday to Friday on statistically speaking on tsn.ca, um, Heroes and Zeros throughout the week. Somebody under the vital signs category, very interesting. Patrick Sharp, not quite the return to Chicago that I think he was expecting. The 35 year old, he was scratched against Dallas. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, to me, that's almost, uh, you know, trying to send a message to Patrick Sharp, yeah. you know, when you're going to play your former team. And, um, and, and I don't, well, he has three goals in 33 games, so it's not as though you can't uh, justify uh, taking him out of the lineup. Uh, at the same time, you know, it, it's not like he's um, been abysmal uh, otherwise. Like, the, the Blackhawks get 52% of the shots with him on the ice. Uh, he's still generating shots. Like, this is. Even as Sharp has gotten older and he's not finishing quite the way he uh, he did, he's still generating a couple shots per game. Um, now that's you know below what he was doing in his best years and even what he was doing in Dallas. So look, there, there's obviously some sign of decline as you might expect from you know a guy who's 35 years old. Uh, but I, I also look at this and think that um, Patrick Sharp isn't the real problem with the Blackhawks. You should you should still be able to fit fit him into your lineup in, a, in say a third line role and and get something useful out of him. Uh, but if, if the Blackhawks are running into problems, it's probably bigger than Patrick Sharp. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? Like, at, at 35, like he's a complimentary piece. Like, you can't totally. be hanging too much on him. Well, exactly. And, it, and I mean, look, I, I think the fact that they felt comfortable scratching him is, is part of the, 
the fact that he is a complimentary piece, that if he was a guy that, you know, you, you were expecting to, to get you 30 goals like he did in his peak years with the Blackhawks mm. the, the first time around, then, you know, you're a little more reluctant. But right now, a guy who's got three goals in 33 games, and, you know, you feel, um, you feel okay uh, keeping that guy out of the lineup. But at the same time, I would look at it and say, like, he scored on 4% of his shots so far this year. Like, that's going to that's going to go up most likely. I mean, he he was at a career low five and a half percent last year. And, and look, this may just be a, a factor of he's not getting um, shots that are a, as high quality as, as he used to. Um, but I still don't think he's going to spend the whole year shooting four percent. No. And last one for you here, Joe Thornton uh, scored a pair of goals, added an assist against Vancouver, fifteen points in the past fourteen games. You talk about ageless wonders. Joe Thornton's right up there. Yeah, well, and look, if Joe Thornton scored two goals in the game, I have to assume it's by accident. Um, you know, he, he was probably trying to pass to somebody, right. and, and it somehow made its way into the net. It slipped in. He, yeah, oh, sorry about that, guys. I didn't mean to score. That's, that's sort of how Joe operates these days. Uh, actually, in that, in that game, he had five shots on goal, and I, I think he hit a post uh, on, his, on a chance at a hat-trick. So, you know, there, that, that was a, a rare occurrence uh, for Joe. But uh, the interesting thing about Thornton is that off the start of the year, he, he really struggled. Um, but remember, he uh, injured his knee late last season. And, yeah. And, and, you know, he played through the playoffs with, uh, I believe it was torn ACL or at least partially. Uh, and so um, I think the the Sharks kind of expected uh, that, you know, even if he was, the fact that he was ready to start the season, that he may not be in kind of peak form. But I think what they're seeing now is you're seeing Joe Thornton performing it a little bit more. His, his typical uh, level of play, which is amazing because he's 38 years old, and um, what, you know he he's not the quickest guy on the ice, but he's big and he protects the puck and he controls play. And um, I think you know based on that production, like, like you mentioned, 15 points his past 14 games. Um, his ice time is going up. He's been playing 18, 20 minutes a game now for the last six or seven. Um, and I, I think you know he's he's a big part of of you know San Jose's I mean San, San Jose seems to be a team that's kind of in between like I don't I don't look at them and think that they're necessarily a cup contender uh, but they have got a lot of older guys who, who are playing big roles and you know Thornton foremost among them but like Joe Pavelski and uh, and Brent Burns are in their 30s as well and um so you know they they're going to expect Joe Thornton to be a huge part for them and as in in the kind of immediate future they need him to be really great because Logan Couture is out with a concussion. So, um, yeah, they're, they're asking a lot of a 38-year-old hmm. forward, but he's, uh, he's providing it. It'll be interesting to see how the rest of the year goes. He's already matched his goals total from last year at seven. So, uh, <laughs> interesting to track. Scotty, have a very Merry Christmas to you and the family, and thank you so much for all you do, as always. Yeah, thanks a lot, Andy. Uh, best to you and your family as well, and uh, we'll talk soon. Absolutely. That is Scott Cullen from TSN.ca on Twitter, at TSN Scott Cullen. He joined us on the 3HL Tour guest hotline. Catch the excitement of the 3HL Tour, folks. Canada's three-on-three professional hockey league coming to a city near you. Tickets on sale now at 3HLTour.com. Got to check it out. Go to 3HLTour.com. Calm. All right. Well, that'll do it. Thank you very much to all of our guests. So for producers Sean Lavery and Grady Sass, I'm Andy McNamara. You've been listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050. Merry Christmas, everybody.